I don't even know what to say, Jason. Sorry, everybody. It's the Greg's Garage Pod with Coach Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. You got some legal stuff? Go to Bike911.com. Visit our boy Alex Asante. We did not do a podcast last week, and we apologize to everybody because, Jason, I'm sure you heard it. I did, too. People coming out of the woodwork, pitching and moaning about their daily commute and how they didn't have something. I think Jeff White was on an airplane, and he was complaining about that. I had to listen to, like, another podcast. I got a, I got a, I got one on my Instagram saying, are you guys okay? <laughs> and the answer to that question is, Jason, are you okay? No, I'm not. Not been good. So, been really sick. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This is way worse than COVID. Whatever I got is worse than COVID. So, I've been pretty ill for about, gosh, for about four or five days. GW and I were at the track uh, last, well, I left last Monday. Same as you, right? You flew in Monday. Yeah. I drove, I met you out there at, uh, we were at Button Willow on Tuesday all day with Dunlop and we got to go to the launch of the Q5 and the Q5S tires, which was, which was great. We'll talk about that. That was Tuesday and, um, I don't know, G-Dub, by Thursday, I had to stay out there. I was out there. I actually had a golf tournament in Bakersfield, so I stayed out there and, uh, yeah, I've, I've since been in bed for about four days now. And I uh, wanted to do this podcast with you Monday, but there was zero chance of that happening. And what are we, Wednesday now? Yeah, day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, JP. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, G-Dub, to everybody out there. Hopefully this uh, we can get this podcast out tonight. That way people have something to listen to on their drives tomorrow and torture the rest of their family with. It's perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's get right into it because we can actually talk about what happened in uh, – in Bakersfield, uh, in our news presented by Arai, which is what I'm going to do right now. So it's news. Apparently, I'm just unprepared. There we go. Hey, folks. From MotoGP to Formula One, Arai is chosen by many top riders and drivers. And this offers Arai a wealth of feedback at the highest levels of racing. Many F1 drivers and top fuel motorcycle racers Top level, top fuel. I'm top thinking about fuel. drag racing. Top level, yeah. Motorcycle racers use standard or high sizes. Just think of it. Standard or high sizes are good enough for world championship contenders to perform at their peak under the most extreme race conditions. These are exactly the same helmets that customers can buy at Arai. Let me, let me repeat that. These are the exact same helmets that a customer can buy at your local Arai dealer. And with micro-fitting options included in the helmet as well, you owe it to yourself. Go to AraiAmericas.com. Check out all the stuff and then go to your local dealer for fitment and buy yourself a lid. <coughs> Excuse me, I had to sneeze. Um, I, already gave, I already gave it to you. Yeah, I know. You gave it to me two and a half thousand miles away. Yeah. All right, Jay. First, first item. Um, well, because, you know, we haven't done this in two weeks. There's so much stuff to talk about. But let's just yeah. go ahead and do some highlights. In Moto America news, Cameron Bobier is back in action. Jason, you and I saw him on a Titler Cycles BMW at Button Willow during the Dunlop Q5 press launch, and he was pretty quick right out of the gate. Let's talk about Q5 launch, Jay. What were we doing? Why were we there? And what do you think about Bobier on his bike and his performance? We can get into a little bit more detail in terms of lap times and stuff, but what'd you think? Well, um, you know, G-Dub, I've been to these before, and I was at the original like qualifier tire and then the Q2. And um, this has been a, a kind of a bit of a buildup. And the Q5 launch was awesome. It was kind of a who's who. It was in the paddock, you know. It was really kind of fun. And I brought I brought my three guys out there with me. I brought Moshe and Kolb and, and Simon to kind of experience it. 
and uh, tires themselves. I think if you saw what Dunlop posted yesterday on their Instagram, um, there was a lot of hype about this tire. These tires, Greg, are are so good. And I know you're going to get into those in a little bit when you talk about what the the racers put these tires on their on their factory bikes on their on their super bikes. Uh, they put the Q5s on with no warmers and went out and rode. Um, the level of grip and feel that you have from these tires is is pretty incredible. And I had a long talk with Taylor Knapp about it. And he's the test rider for Dunlop, and he does a lot of testing with them, obviously, in Huntsville. Very accomplished rider and racer in his own right. He was so excited about everybody tying these tires because of the stuff that they had found, the stuff that they had developed. I talked to him a little bit on the, the day before, Monday, when I was dropping my bikes off. And um, I was always a big advocate of the Q3 front. I always thought the Q3 front tire was a tire that I could go race on. And now the Q5 offers even more feel for that. So, um I'm too, it's too bad you didn't get a chance to swing a leg over. I know you were working that day, and um, but I, I would have loved to have seen what you thought as well because it seemed like at every riding level, kind of the talk was a little bit the same from each rider. They they just felt like super comfortable on the tires, and it's a tire that you don't need to have tire warmers on for. So on these on these wintry days here in California, you know we can still go out and ride, and I've often said, you've heard me say it a million times, Greg, that I think a lot of riders choose the wrong tires, especially in the winter. You've got to be able to hold the heat in the tire. You have to be able to take your warmers off and go out and hammer on the tires. And people are not, especially people that do this for a hobby, they're not wired that way. They're not wired to go out and hammer on a tire. So essentially the first couple of laps that they're out there, they're actually losing temperature in that tire. And I think with the Q5, it's such an unbelievable option to have because you know, uh, three, four, five corners in, you could be hammering on the thing. And it was, it was as good. To, it was just great. It was just perfect. So, um, that's why I wanted to bring my guys out there because they had never really experienced something like that. And I think that all came away with a uh, pretty raving reviews. And there were a bunch of journalists that were out there. So it was a, a press launch. If you don't really know what a press launch is or haven't been to one, basically Dunlop created an event. It had a technical presentation the night before, and then oh, basically an open track with a variety of motorcycles that were out there. Some of the journalists brought their own bikes. There were celebrities. I think you fell into that category, and there were yeah, uh-huh. there were <laughs> yeah, and um, and race teams were there. A couple of the superbike teams. So you had M4 showed up with one bike, a couple mechanics, and Richie Escalante. Uh, and they were testing some new stuff. They have some some firmware updates for their uh, electronics, which are absolutely awesome. Hopefully, we'll get permission to talk more about that a little bit later on in this offseason. The two riders from the Fresh and Lean Progressive Yamaha team of Gagne and Peterson were there. And then three riders from Titler Cycles in Corey Alexander, PJ Jacobson, and Cameron Bobier. What was interesting, you mentioned it, Jason, was that all those teams that were there got to go out at 1130 on the day on Q5s, on their super bikes. And it was awesome. I was there actually working, doing interviews and stuff. So like any of the interviews you saw in that promotion video, I was the one holding the mic, asking the questions. And it was unanimous across the board for all those riders that I spoke with. Absolutely loved it. Now, the interesting bit is you mentioned Taylor Knapp from Dunlop. What they found in testing the Q5 is actually going from that tire, which is a track day tire slash street tire with Q5S, 
The construction of that, the profile of that is the new Moto America Superbike slick front tire. And it is identical in size, construction, all that kind of stuff. So they put them on the Superbike riders to get feedback because there's the possibility that that Q5 tire might find its way into the Moto America paddock. We'll talk more about that some other time. But they had a lot of fun. The rear tire, of course, was it spun up, it slid, it had they, everybody had a, had a ball with the thing. So, Jay, going back to the Cameron thing, I know that you went out in the afternoon and you got to ride around. Did you get to ride around with anyone? I mean, Kayla Yaakov was there with the MP13 team, which is part of the news as well. Um, uh, your guys were there. You were there. I'm trying to think who else. Hayes, Hayes went out and did a couple laps. but Yeah, I was going to see Josh bike. get back on a bike, but his leg's still a bit buggered. But, you know, mm-hmm. I saw Cam Peterson on the track. I saw, you know, I saw... Gagne out there. I didn't get to see Cam Peter, uh, Cam Bobier, unfortunately, on the track. In fact, I didn't even get to say hi to Cam. I kind of saw him walking across the paddock with a group of people. Um, I said, got to say hi to everybody else, I think, pretty much, which was good. Uh, I was actually, I had a quick conversation with Richie Escalante, and I was really happy to hear him as excited as he was to be there. Like you said, I think that the M4 have some new things this year that they're going to that they're going to be implementing into their Superbike program. I got to hang out with Chris Orts quite a bit, even on Tuesday night after the uh, after everything was settled down. We had dinner, and uh, yeah, I got to hang out there a little bit. So, um, talk talking with him, everything everything seems a little bit more upbeat over there, which is good. Uh, but Greg, I, I agree. Everybody said the same thing about the tires. They just couldn't believe how quick you could get up to speed on them and that kind of thing. You know? Yeah, it's good to see. I mean, that, that that's a direct relationship on why Dunlop is in Moto America. They get the feedback from riders, the development, and it goes across the board. What they learn in Huntsville can make its way to racing. More often than not, what happens in racing makes its way to the street tire. It was a really, really fun event. Cameron Bobier looked good on the bike. His comments afterwards were, it's different. Now, if you read outright lap times, from what I understand, the fastest time, which was Jake Gagne, who I believe broke his own track record there. It was like the fastest 40.8 he went or something crazy. Yeah, right? but that was yeah. done on one of those qualifying tires, like those two, three-lap qualifying tires yeah. we have. Yeah. If you look at it, Bobier was only like race tire to race tire a tenth off. He was Bobier was really fast, uh, not compared to Cameron Peterson on used race tires. But, you know, there's all that stuff. Brand-new tires, used race tires, qualifying tires. Either way... At Button Willow, anyway, they're pretty close. Uh, right yeah. off, right off, right off the rip. Now, with that said, too, Bobier is probably what the most fit I've ever seen him, Jay. And he literally came straight from a Moto Two bike, flew home, probably stretched his legs for two days, and came right to Button Willow. Well, my biggest question for him, I I don't know if you got to actually ask him or talk to him, but was now he's off that front tire from Moto Two. I bet this, I bet the tires that he's going to be back on here are going to offer him quite a bit more feel. And I think it was a super positive thing for Titlers and for him to be as close as he was. I don't believe he put a soft tire on either. So I think he was only 0.7 off at the end if you look at fastest to fastest. And I was told he never put a soft one on. So, and regardless, none of that even really matters if I'm being fair. It's it's November. It's not even an official test. It was just some teams going out there and shaking some things down for next year. I know... Testing some stuff for Dunlop. Yeah, and I know that... Uh, Stamboli with attack, they're going, you know, I think they learned some stuff in Portugal that they want to start to apply to here to help Gagne further himself as a rider. And if they get that opportunity to go back next year, they're going to be a little bit more prepared. 
so there are some things on that motorcycle that they are going to be moving and, and turning around a little bit, I think, on, on the attack R1. So, you know, for Titlers, a, again, this was a kind of a late test. Corey Alexander was on kind of the third bike. I think it was the, the bike that Kyle Wyman actually rode at Barber. Was the bike yeah, that Corey like kind was of on. half a super bike? Yeah, it wasn't <clears throat> wasn't everything that it needed to be just yet, and uh, and so yeah, and, and I know PJ was out there, which was good. But it, but all in all, I think that the day in itself was awesome. Uh, that Tuesday was neat, especially GW. I don't think I you know I don't know for sure. Maybe you do. I don't think there was one incident all day Tuesday. I don't I don't remember hearing about anything. No, I think every I think nobody crashed as far yeah, as I know. Yeah. Day. And we had a variety. I mean, you know, even um, Heath Coffrin was out there on his 400 that looks like in the Wayne Rainey replica Wayne bike. Rainey like replica there was bike. a, you, your guys were out there. There was, it wasn't like it was just all trained professionals, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't a track day per, per se in the sense that, you know, it was, it was that level, everybody out there knew what they were doing. Everybody out there were, although if you watch Cole Bright a little bit, I don't know. I can't get into it. He'll, he's supposed to be here for Thanksgiving, but my God. I'm not saying anything, dude. The guy helped me out at the airport and yeah, helped me out true. with some he other did. stuff. Yeah, Cole's my boy right now, and so. he's sick too. Now he's sick as well. Is he sick too? Huh? Poor guy. That's... He might not. So maybe if I rip on him now, he won't make it tomorrow. And then well, can... when you guys hold hands, maybe you wash hands after. You yeah, know, well, maybe a little hand sanitizer. But look, sticking hobby. with this launch, one yeah. of the things that uh, people got to see was that uh, I think it was the day of the launch or the day before the launch or whatever it was of Q5. Kayla Yakov showed up with a brand new suit with MP13 branding on it, and a press release came out that her and young Aiden Sneed, who's out of Texas, are going to be racing for Melissa Paris's MP13 team for next year. So Kayla now moves. At 15 years old, she'll turn 16, I think, middle of the season, right? Like June or something? Yeah. Um, she goes to Twins Cup full-time, where Twins Cup has seven rounds this year of, of 10, if you include Daytona, because they'll be at Daytona. So 14 races total. What do you think about Kayla? Since I know you know Kayla, I'm not yeah. sure how much you know about Aiden Sneed. He wasn't at the I, test, yeah. but I don't know. He's, he comes from North American Talent Cup. He's 14 years old, so we'll get to know him a little bit better in Junior Cup this year. But so, what do you think about Kayla's big move to Twins Cup and onto that team? That because Melissa's team won what three races? I think she won three of the last six with Corey Ventura. Yeah, she's going to be great. GW, she's going to be good. She was on that R6 out there. Josh brought her out. So Kayla had her dad with her, and uh, did you and Josh. did you ride around her at all? Did you get to go out and do any laps with Kayla? I, th- I uh, think I on really my would. I think on my out lap, I saw this flash of blue come up behind me, mm-hmm. and I think it was her, but she got off, so I never really got to, and, and so I never got to see her because I would have loved to have seen her on the R six. Uh, she was out there ripping around on, and um, I think Josh got to go out and ride, but I don't think Josh was too handy on the bike to be honest with you. It sounded like he was still hurting pretty bad, and which you'd expect, you know, it was good that he was able to get going and uh, watching Josh that day playing dad full time because he had his daughter with him. And so he was one minute, he was changing diapers. The next minute he was out trying to get in his leathers to go out and ride and limping around. And yeah, it was about bad for the guy, but uh, I think for Kayla, that was, a, that was a family effort though, because I know Kayla's was. dad was there. Kayla's dad he was, was there. He was, he was watching uh, yeah. Josh's daughter and yeah, it was a big thing. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was, and yeah, it was definitely a, an effort amongst all, all three of them to be out there that day. And, uh, and it looked like Kayla was, was scooting along as you'd expect. I think 
Two, it's a neat dynamic because Melissa knows her way around motorcycles so well. I think it's going to be fun seeing the two of them. You know, Kayla arguably is um, the best female we've seen um, in the paddock as far as a rider goes in quite some time. There's a lot of hype around her in the sense that she's won nationals. She hasn't just won one or two. She's she's won nationals. And, and I think that uh, moving forward, I, I don't see any reason why she won't be battling at the front in these Twins Cup races either. I think she's going to be right there. And I think with Melly's knowledge and stuff of the motorcycle and what she probably learned this last year and so on, I think that's only going to help Kayla. And um, I think it's a, it's a great program. I know you made fun of her. It was nice to see her have a set of leathers that fit her, you know, she was in her, in her new suit. So she looked good in that. And um, I think that uh, I think everything's looking pretty up for her. She's all bent because I was making fun of her. That story that I told on the podcast about the, uh, when MotoGP was in qualifying or something on a Saturday, it was a Friday night or whatever. And we ended up on the Xbox and she was playing, playing, power washer extreme oh yeah yeah you know and and i was people were like you were playing a video game kayla that power washes she goes i'm watching qualifying and i'm trying to play a game that's mindless at the same time whatever and uh, so i was making fun of her for that at the launch and then she just is ruthless dude you just you get like i better learn to keep my mouth shut around her because she's very very vicious she says very very mean things to me and i'm very fragile i'm Uh very fragile oh yeah yeah you are fragile anyway moving on through another news item jack miller will make his ducati sign-off ride at phillip island this weekend i think he's going to be on that cat powered pentagali v4 again not sure what the spec is i know last year it was like pretty stock and it wasn't exactly the uh Australian superbike spec, but it'll be the final round. Um, so what do you what do you think? It's at the bend. We also found out that it looks like Cody Wyman. I read on Road Racing World. Travis, isn't it? No, Travis was there last weekend, but Cody Wyman is going to be uh at the final round as a fill-in rider. Oh yeah. Um yeah. So decision made last week for Cody to fill in for an injured rider, fresh off of Junior Cup, yada yada yada. Happy to be here in Australia. I don't know. It's an article on there, but so Cody's going to be there as well. But wow. we think about Jack Miller, Jay, MotoGP rider coming back. He was great things in Australia last year when he, when he rode that final round, brought a lot of exposure to the sport, but now he's on his way to KTM. So this is his final Ducati appearance. What do you think? And he's already ridden the KTM, which is funny. So it's kind of nice to let see that they, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, look, I think it's great. I think for Jack, it's fun. I hope they give him a little bit better spec bike than he had last year because he was a little bit underpowered, if you remember. And then he got cleaned out. You remember he, get, he got cleaned out yeah, in one of the races right. and yeah. it ruined his bike. He had to jump on some bike he'd never even ridden before. <clears throat> and that championship, I think, is coming down to the wire, too. Like, it hasn't been settled yet. So I know they were at Phillip Island this last weekend. Uh, so Jack's going to go throw his hat in the middle of that. And I just think it says a lot about him. Um, finishing off his career with Ducati. Married this year, gets a new ride on KTM, and still wants to go out and ride at a local superbike race or one of his national superbike races. Um, you can't say enough about the guy. I think he's just he's just amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, Jay, let's talk about some money. Bless you. Let's talk about oh, some cage. I tried to hit mute. Sorry. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Right. I'm not even right. going to edit it out because th- every every time you sneeze, this will be yeah. your opportunity for people to be sympathetic that we didn't put a podcast up last week. Oh, very nice of them. That that'd be great. So, look, an article came out about Peko Bagnaya's earnings. Oh, yeah? For, yes. So, how much did Peko earn for the victory? His base salary for 2022 was, 
And this obviously is not because it says 2.5, 2.2, or 2.6. Okay. Oh, they're giving you a, a choice. Yeah, which is weird. This is an article I'm reading off of crash.net, but it came out somewhere else. His prize. So two, let's just go with the middle one, 2.5 mil. His prize for winning the title is 1.5 mil. His total bonuses were 810,000. These are euro. And the total bonuses accrued through the year. You got like 100,000 100, euro, 87, 100,000, 50, and 30, basically. For and he audience? obviously won the M3, won the BMW M3. Yeah. So you add that up, Jay. Let's just go with the big number, right? So you got what? You got three, you got four million plus eight, ten plus he had seven wins. So another 700K. Pretty good. It's a pretty good deal. Does he deserve all that money, Jason? What do you think? Does he deserve all that money? Is that mm-hmm. what you're asking me? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> of course he does. Here's, here's the thing, he? though. That's yeah. that's what we think we know, right? But the reality is we don't know his endorsement deals, how much yeah, bonuses he made from his side. personal sponsor. I mean, it could have been it could have been an eight, eight, eight million euro. You would hope. You know, you'd hope yeah. to be the you'd hope to be the the top motorcycle rider in the world that you'd make. I mean, God, eight million bucks. What's top F1 driver making? Probably eight million <laughs> to show up for half the year. Right? Yeah, it's a joke, right? So arguably our series to me is it's more physical. It's, I mean, the racing's way better and I, I don't know how, I don't know where you went, where you're going with this, but yeah, I think that he should be making a hell of a lot more money than he's making in my opinion. So if we haven't even capped it at 10 mil, I, I, I mean, G-Dub, we know what it used to be like back in the day. So Jay, here's, here's the reason I bring it up. I bring it up because we oftentimes talk about, you know, offline, you and I talk about the health of the sport and how we need more mechanics. We need more crew chiefs. We need more team managers. We need, and of course, we need a broader talent pool of riders. How do we get people interested? And we know that one of the ways is even though people want to keep money quiet, it's always better if you showcase how much money these top athletes can make that way it's going to drive other people like the tiger wood tiger wood effect right yeah like yeah for sure the yeah. money is out they they tell you how much prize money these athletes make if we don't do this in moto america and start telling people that this person's making this amount of money you know why would you ever want to do that how many people came to the sport because ricky carmichael had two perfect seasons and made like you know four million base or whatever it was and so people turn around and go, I'm sending my kid to motocross, supercross, because they can actually make a living yeah. you know, doing that stuff. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I don't care if it's drone racing or golf or motorcycle racing. I think it's important to have those conversations, at least from a PR perspective. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think it's important too. I think it's, it's uh, information that some people might not want to share, but it's, I think it's important information to share, especially when you look at you know, what What do you think Mark Marquez is on right now, salary-wise, year-to-year? I mean, obviously, he's earned every penny that he gets, even though he hasn't ridden much the last two years. Uh, I mean, shoot, he deserves every dollar. And Quattararo, will Bagnaia's salary make a big step now that he's won the world championship? I don't know. So, these are, the, I mean, look, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting discussion to have. I definitely feel that when you look at, like you brought up golf, Tiger was literally responsible for purses and prize monies to go up as much as they were. And, you know, when you look at our sport back in the day, 
everybody was looking to beat Matt, weren't they, Maladin? So manufacturers were willing to pay a lot of money to try to find the next guy that was going to do that. He drove, he drove the price of hiring riders up. And, and I think that that's a great thing. So sustainability, though, is another one of those things you got to consider. And if you look at how many people are on those teams over there, I mean, you look in a garage now for two riders, there's 50 people in the garage and you go like, wow, what are all these people doing? Like, like, what are all these people doing? It just seems like there's so many people drawing from that, that money pool, you know? Yeah. So anyways, yeah, it's, there just looks to be so many people to keep that show on the road. When you go over to one of those races, like Simon and I did a, we did that Mazzano round and it's just, the paddock is almost too chaotic. Like there's just so many people and you go, okay, who are the hanger ons here that are just kind of like not doing a lot, but finding a way to put their, their hand in that pot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like, you could have a podcast on that. Couldn't you? Yeah, you certainly could. Yeah. All right, Jay. Last topic in the news is for us, really. We're hey, real quick, real quick, real yeah. quick, real quick. Does Miller what, win what, a race? This, does Miller win a race this weekend? Yeah, I think I think so. Be, only because now he's got more track knowledge and he understands they're on Michelin's, though, right? And also, on, but also, isn't uh, he's on Michelin's? He was last year, anyways. But yeah. also, um, are we going to be able to watch it? We watched it last year. Do you remember how? Yeah, be, yeah, because like Moto America had posted it. Like, you remember, because it was such a big deal, everybody posted. I even think Moto GP posted it last year. Like, you could watch the link. So oh, okay. hopefully, all that same stuff is going to happen this year, where they advertise it really well. I mean, I'll go to to Australian Superbike anyway, and and make sure that you can stream it through their service. But I know they opened it up to the world last year because Jack was there. So I'm hoping okay. the same thing happens. Okay. Final thing to talk about in the news. We are about six weeks away or so, five and a half, six weeks away from the start of the Supercross season. Wow. And over the years, we have done our Greg's Garage pod with Jason Pridmore or whatever, Fantasy League. This year is no different. We're going to have it. However, we're going to sweeten the pot a little bit, Jason. So Arise stepped in again, and first place will be a VX4 Pro helmet. Uh, for for the winner of whoever participates and all that stuff. But also, we're going to sweeten the pot this year. First place, we'll get the Arai helmet, plus they're going to get a set of Dunlop Q5s. Second place, because now we're going to pay back to second and third, wow. second place is going to get a set of Dunlop Q5s. Third place will receive a set of Dunlop Q5Ss, which is the street version of the Q5. The Q5 is designed as a track day tire. It is a DOT legal tire, but it's designed to be kind of a razor edge, you know, uh, tire used. The the Q5S is really like the Canyon Carver tire that you can take to the track as well. So that's going to be that at least. That's at least what we have, Jay. And we're going to see if we can come up with some other stuff. Jason, the thing that we have to decide is what are we going to do? What are, are we, we going to do? Go back? What are we going to do? Dude? <laughs> are we going to stick with the, if you don't get your team in, you lose situation with Pulp MX, which I know you love. It's more strategic. You have to think about it, but you're going to have to set yourself a calendar and alarm uh, unless you like that bit. You know what I mean? If someone doesn't show up, they don't, they can Look, lose the league. Look, if you're going to start throwing up prizes and stuff, I think if you're going to start throwing up prizes and make it a little bit better, I, I like the Pulp one myself, like you said. I, I like it, and it doesn't require that much. It takes 20 minutes, 15 minutes to get your team kind of sorted and settled. You like RM Fantasy, don't you? I like RM Fantasy because, number one, Johnny Ray likes it, and it's nice to have him in the mix. 
And if you, if for some reason you get too busy and you forget to put your team in, your team from last week rolls over right into it. So we'll, we'll have more of a discussion offline. If you want to chime in, maybe reach out to Jason's social media, my social media, kind of give us an idea of what you want to do. We'll make the announcement here in a couple of weeks and let you know and get the league ready up and running, whichever way we do it. But a new Arai uh, motocross style helmet and a set of Q5, Dunlop Q5s for you if you win. And then maybe we'll come up with some other stuff. So happy to have Dunlop on board with that for the next about 25 weeks because that's pretty much 25 weeks, Jay, is going to be the end of the Supercross season. Wow. So, I mean, they do have the new, you know, super motocross thing, but yeah, we're going to have Jason Wygant on next month and sometime in December, talk to him, hopefully maybe next week, if Bobier is around, you want to get him on the pod and chat him up Great. see if he'll, that yep. way we can ask him about all kinds of neat stuff. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, well, so G-Dub, I know we're a couple, we're a couple, we're a couple weeks past, but let's just go back to the world Superbike round in Indonesia two weeks ago at Mandalika. And it definitely confirmed to me that it is, I don't, I like my least favorite track to watch by far and away is that track. Every time we go there, it seems like it's unprepared or not ready. And I hate seeing riders getting, getting flung into the air. We lost to Iker Likawona because of a off throttle high side, tipping it into a left-hand corner. And, um, you know, look at when these guys are going to these tracks, it's, uh, we, we, we got our share of criticism over here this year in America for certain things, but these guys are traveling all the way to Indonesia to ride a track that's unprepared and dirty offline. And it really took away from the show for me, especially, you know, when you start to watch these guys getting flung and it's weird, G-Dub, like, did you get to watch any of the opening sessions of that? Yeah. Of like that pra- the weekend? practices and stuff. Oh, yeah. It was awful. It was like, you could, they couldn't even, you couldn't even go out there and get anything really done. So, uh, by the, by the race week itself, by the weekend, uh, and the racing it, you basically had one line. If you got offline a little bit, it, it, it was bad for you. So when I say it was bad, it's, there were moments where guys would get offline coming into the last complex there, the right before the last left, and they would just turn their bikes. They'd be off throttle, turning their bikes offline and the bike would snap around on them and things. It worked out great for Top Rack. Top Rack was an, he ended up sweeping the weekend, wins all three races. It was a perfect weekend for him. But while he was winning that battle, Alvaro Batista was doing enough to win the war, wasn't he? He ends up finishing second in race one and second in race two. Uh, Greg, he was pretty impressive. Obviously, he was very impressive to watch this year was Batista. And I think that if you're going to talk about anything that came out of that round in Indonesia – it's the crowning of Batista. He ended up fourth in the Super Bowl race. And, um, you know, he, he ended up, he ends up winning the championship. Yeah, I thought it was, it was what he needed to do. But Top Rack honestly looked untouchable no matter what Batista had in the tank. I know that Batista wants to win a championship. Everybody does by winning a race. Yeah. How much do you really, you know, put on the line there? But it was, um, you know, the, I think the thing that we forget about 2019 when Batista came out of the box, won all this, had this massive points lead was that the bike was brand new. It was a new bike in the championship. And Ducati now admits that they had some teething issues during that 2019 season. Bautista to come back and prove that he has the skill and the ability like he does to do what he's done. I mean, you you cannot point the finger at the motorcycle alone and say it's all the bike. Bautista got the work done. 
and he he proved how ballsy he's willing to make racing at Phillip Island, didn't he? You know what I mean? The, yeah, the very yeah. Next weekend. <clears throat> and we'll talk a little bit about that when we go to Phillip Island. I think that looking back at this race at uh, at Indonesia again, if you look at it, um, it was a it was the kind of race where you would hope that it would bring a few more people together, but really the track itself just wasn't allowing for those kind of groups. Um, you know, when you look at the at the Super Pole race, there was a small group from about fifth to to tenth, kind of in that battle, but it was very processional. People couldn't get offline. People couldn't couldn't move around the racetrack to try to make it passable. And you know, when you look at Batista and what a track like that does to tires as well, because they were talking about the tires getting kind of chewed up a little bit and this and that. Um, and, and we'll talk about that even in Australia where the Ducati for me with Batista was, it, it does still have such a big advantage over certain, in certain areas. And I, and I, and I want to explain that a little bit too, when we get to the Australian stuff, but for, as far as that went, um, Rizgati Agli was dominant all weekend long. Batista wins the championship. Uh, you know, Johnny Ray that weekend, I think he was on the podium in every race. Um, he had to battle his way through. I think it was the last race, uh, race two on Sunday. He had to battle his way, kind of get himself back up on the on the podium because I think Locatelli was a bit of a nuisance. But it was, it just was. I hope that they can straighten that place out a little bit. I'm hoping that they can make that place a little bit more rider friendly um, in the future. And then in World Supersport, um, Dominica Goethe wins the championship. Uh, what a year for him, huh? I mean, he's just had an incredible year. The guy's unstoppable. He's, I mean, when you say dominant in world super sport, that guy's name is always going to come to the forefront. And I think that, uh, you know, him winning the championship and moving on to the, to the Yamaha team, world Superbike team that Garrett Gerloff is leaving. What do you expect from him next year? What do you expect him from Agurta? Like, what, what do you think, what do you think a good results are going to be for Agurta next year? Boy, he knows the tracks. No problem. He's got a feel for the tires, I think, for the most part. He's adaptable, man. He can ride anything. He's adaptable. Anything. Like, you talk about a good year. Before I answer that, like, talk about a good year. Moto E Championship on Michelin's. Big, you know, big heavy motorcycles. He wins that championship. World Super Sport. And he goes to Moto GP and gets a guest ride on the Suzuki. And uh, Frankie Carcetti, who's the crew chief for Juan Mir, was. Now he's, he's, you know, moved moved to different areas. Um, to Ducati, he had, he sang his praises online all weekend long, talking about how intelligent he was, what a great approach, how fast he is, how the guy was totally underserved. He might have even had a little bit of an influence in him getting a ride. So I think Top Rack says, Jason, that Yamaha has promised more motor out of that bike. How much more horsepower they can get out of that thing is a bit baffling. I mean, there's no shot in my mind that you can get an inline four cylinder with world Superbike rules to compete with that Ducati V4, but whatever. So I think with that in mind, if there's more power available across the board to both teams, I see Dami top five in the championship, maybe top four with you haven't, you haven't beating Locatelli. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I think, yeah. I, I think he beats Locatelli. Um, I think he beats Locatelli. And I think, that, you know, maybe you have Michael Rubin Rinaldi in there in the top four in the championship or Alex Lowe's. Alex seems to be making a step. It's so competitive right there, isn't it, Jason? Like Cowie's got to make a big six. step. 
Cowboys got to make a big got step. to, or they're going to they get left behind. Step. They're going to get left behind. Like, you know, why don't you give the results of World Superbike Australia, and then maybe Australia, we can talk okay. a little bit about that if you want. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so race one was a strange race, but we could talk about that. So, race one was a flag to flag race, as I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, Jay? yeah. Johnny Ray, Rascott Lioglu, and Alex Lowe's with Locatelli, Bautista in fifth, Garrett Gerloff in sixth. Flag to flag racing means they started in the dry. It rains, makes no difference. They can stay out on slicks or come in and get wet tires and then go back out. That strategy played out really well for Johnny Ray when he came in. Rascott Lioglu had gotten out there too. I thought actually after they changed that that top rack was going to make a push, but Johnny was too strong. Lowe's left it a little bit late. I think. Well, they started on a wet track, right? This one. They actually started on the wet. Oh, sorry. Wet track and then came to dry. They came in for slicks, right? And they had a problem getting Top Rack's front tire in. Yeah. That's why he was a little later leaving than Johnny. But even when he came back out, I thought he was going to be a little bit quicker. But what we don't know is how much settings are in the wet bike, you know what I mean? Like the versus the dry and all that kind of stuff. When we got to Super Pole race, Bautista smoked them all. 3.2 seconds. Rasgat Lioglu Ray. This, of course, is at Phillip Island. Uh, Lowe's was in fourth. He had a he had a, a decent result there. Locatelli, Redding in sixth, Gerloff in seventh. Super Bowl race moved... is the one that you were talking about, though, where he started on dry tires in the rain. Remember? It was, yeah, it exactly. Was wet so, for that Super Bowl race, yeah. Dude, that was actually sick. And then, of course, in race number two, it was Bautista over Ray by just three-tenths of a second. And then that was a red, red flag. flag race. Yeah. It was red yeah. flag. So Lowe's finishes third in sector one with Rascott Lioglu. Then Locatelli, Redding, Rinaldi. Uh, and so on. Unfortunately, Garrett Gerloff on his last ride with the GYTR GRT Yamaha World Superbike <laughs> team. That's uh, a mouthful. He ends up uh, getting into a little bit, I think with Forez, right? Or Vierge? Vierge, yeah. Yeah, Vierge touched him, ran off the track, tipped over, and that was the end of his Yamaha career in World Superbike. But Jay, the, the ballsy race I was talking about was a Super Bowl race. So tell us what happened in that race. Yeah, you know, the track dries off really quick at Phillip Island, apparently. And, and if you watch the telecast, it's usually when they have that kind of weather there, it's windy. So when it gets a little bit windy, they get those, that sun starts to come out at all. The track dries really quick. And we saw that on race one. Race one was shaping up to be a really good race. It started to dry up pretty quick. And it looked like Al got called into the pits about two laps later than he should have. Because Ray and Toprak had already come in, made the switch to the slick tires. And that's really what ultimately, I think, cost uh, Alex Lowe's an opportunity to win that race. Never mind the fact that when Johnny went out on slicks, you know, you could tell he uh, he was ready to win again. What was it, 24 races in a row or something? 24 he races something without like a that. win. And you just, it's so much fun watching him ride. Like, I just, it's, when you see how hard let, he pushes let, let, and the things 20, he does. 24 races without a win, though, let's let's not be as dramatic at there's three a weekend now. That's right. right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Three it's not a that weekend, big a deal. So but not, for him, it is. Yeah. For him, it is. That's a long time. Yeah, right? No, hundred percent. Of must course, have, must have felt like years. And um, you know, you can see the relief. And when you start to look at the kind of racetrack that Phillip Island is, it was really interesting because it's the one track where you can honestly say it's Top Rack loses all his all of his advantage at this place. It doesn't really have those areas where you could just continuously kind of dive bomb and go up underneath people. It's a very, very flowing racetrack where it's it's difficult to make some of the kind of passes that Top Rack has become known for. And he looked, it, it just looked like it was a lot harder for him on the Yamaha at that track to be where he needed to be. Um, 
And then you look at what Batista did in the Super Bowl race. He decided to start on slicks when everybody else started on wets or intermediates. A lot of a lot of them were on intermediates, right? Yeah. A lot of them started on intermediates, and the the the, the best way you could put it is they weren't able to gain enough of an advantage of him at the beginning to pull away. And as that track started to dry, I mean, great. This is where again taking nothing away from Batista, it was a brilliant choice. Used all of his years of experience and. And you can see it was that. his choice too, from what I, which there's is a great. video out on, on worldspk.com. Which I've got to watch it. It's amazing. Like I'm taking nothing away, but GW, when you can't go offline to pass people coming into corners, um, even though he was able to do that as a track ride, this is where it's important to have a fast motorcycle. Cause if you can get down the straightaways and make your passes easy to where you can get back onto a dry line, it's so key, it's such an ingredient uh, that he had to have. He used everything to his capabilities. He rode spectacular. It was a very, very well-deserved victory for him. Um, and so he ends up winning that race. But, man, I just feel like we were so robbed uh, in race two of being able to see exactly how that was going to end. Final race of the year, Batista versus Ray. They were going, you know, Johnny was doing everything he could. He was losing eight bike lengths down the front straightaway. I mean, he's using 0.4 of a second. 0.5 of a second down the front straight and was making a lot of that up. I don't know where, where? he would have done it. I think where, he probably, where? yeah, go ahead. Who, who, who is, where do you say that was the strongest in race two? Where was, and actually all weekend, the strongest place for Johnny Ray. Like, was there any part of the racetrack where you were like impressed with, with what he was doing? You've ridden there. I've ridden there. I, I looked at those a few different sectors, right? The first sector I yeah. thought, I thought Alex was really incredible in the first sector, especially coming out of um, the second turn there on, a, on your way down to Stoner. He was really mm-hmm. impressive down through there. Johnny was really impressive as they came out of the Miller hairpin into um, Siberia and then the Hayshed. But the last sector, Johnny was, was really quick. Um, it looked like from um, – God, I can't remember the name of the hairpin right now because I'm a little bit lost, but the, the tight right the below at the bottom of the hill, out of that mm-hmm. hairpin into the last series of lefts looked looked really fast through there. So it just seemed like all three riders had a little bit different of an advantage, and Top Rack was just kind of there in all of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't really yeah, shine. Didn't... didn't really shine anywhere. Yeah, I know what you're saying, though. You can really see where Top Rack's strong suit is, is that breaking and getting out. Like, yeah. really... He makes the most, especially breaking. When you have a hard, you know, turn one, he's a hard guy to keep behind you. There's a couple of races. It was at Mandalika. He just kept working people, right? Like it's, but I thought Johnny was really impressive middle of turn one, like that really fast section. And he would just going would in gain time, too. just going in and, and mid, mid corner. He was so fast. Like that he would make up half of what he lost on the straightaway on Bautista just in that one section and then yard the person by the same distance. Except Al. Al was pretty good. Alex was pretty good, yeah. The Kawasaki just looked like they worked really well in that stuff. But see, when the Kawasaki could keep its momentum up, it doesn't have to stop and turn. And and then, Mm -hmm. obviously, the heat. There wasn't as much heat, I don't believe. You know, the Kawasaki just don't work well in the heat. So the fact that they didn't have a lot of heat to deal with, I think, was also a benefit for the Cowies. But you could see on a flowing racetrack, but they still – they're still losing too much down the straights, and they've got to make. A we big also, step. we also want to wish our boy Eugene Laverty well wishes and getting better. I think I broke. I reached pelvis. out to him. I reached out to oh, him. Oh, you he did. Got, yeah, he got back to me, which was great. And he was just basically like, 
it's a kind of a bummer way to end things, but kind of confirmed his decision, <laughs> as he said to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so a good kind way of to confirmed my decision. And uh, he's looking forward to moving on and doing other things, which is great. And I think that he's going to be in the paddock and he'd be a guy who I'd love to have on here because he's just such a good guy. And it absolutely. Yeah, that's a great idea. It made me so sad when it came up that it was Eugene Laverty down in turn one, which we know how fast that is. I was so bummed. And I'm like, I just want him to be okay because he is him and his brothers. Like I know Michael a little bit too. And people, they're man. just such good guys. And, um, you know, it just bummed me out so much that, uh, that, that, that to see Eugene go down like that. I met Michael in a really strange way, Laverty and, uh, <clears throat> and, Strip and, and no Doha, um, at Qatar. <laughs> and, and, I just couldn't believe how nice of a guy he was. Uh, he had made a, a big error on the racetrack in front of me, and he was waiting for me in my pit garage. When I came in, it was during a practice session. Hmm. So I basically uh, was going into the last corner at Doha, and I was right behind Michael, and he didn't think anybody was behind him. And he accelerated out of the last corner like he was going to do another lap. So I was just to the inside of him accelerating off there with him. And he chopped the throttle and went across the front of me to get off the racetrack. And my front tire hit his rear tire. Oh. And and I don't know how neither one of us went down. And, you know, I wasn't happy about it. And uh, I did like two more laps, three more laps. And I come down pit lane. And I can see my team sitting out there waiting for me, you know, waving me down on pit lane. Uh, and I can see Michael sitting there in his leathers, like next to my guys waiting for me. Mm. And... I mean, I couldn't even get off my bike and he was like apologizing to me and, and, uh, I thought what a, what a great guy, you know? And so from that point on, I've, I've always really thought a lot of, a lot of those guys. He's doing some commentary. He's really good at it. He's really good. Yes. Eugene's going to be part of the Lenovo team and mm-hmm. he'll be working with Garrett Gerloff next year on the BMW. And I think Baz, I think Baz did a two year deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that'll think- be cool. And I think moving forward, it's interesting to talk about a little bit of that. I think next year, the Superbike Championship, they get they start again, G-Dub, on the 2nd and 3rd of December. They're testing in Jerez, uh, some of the teams. And then I know Cowie is. Doesn't World Superbike kick back off next season in, in February or something? Like three, like 80 days away or something stupid. So it's... Yeah, I think some of those guys were like, hey, everybody, we'll see you in a couple months. Can yeah, we kick off our season here? Leave our clothes at the house that we've rented and just, yeah, we'll leave everything here. You know that the it's funny because you um you kind of you, when you you go forward and you start thinking about next year and you start thinking about what's going to be different. Right, well, Kawasaki has to make a huge step. Yamaha has to make a step. Their bike has to get faster. Everybody's bikes have to be stepped up as far as speed goes because the Ducati's just got such a big advantage right now. Um, and I think I think it'll be interesting to see what the Honda does. The BMW needs to make a step. Did you read the stuff about Redding on the weekend where when he came in to he changed tires during the flag to flag? Did you read did you read anything about that? No. What was it? And he said that he's like the best his bike handled all year was he came into the pits <clears throat> to put uh dry tires on and they didn't do anything to the to the suspension. And he said it's the best his bike's ever felt. So in other words, at reading into it. What I was reading into it is that they've been riding around on the bike way too stiff. Way too stiff, yeah. They went out there, and the bike, with maybe softer settings, like rain set up on dry tires, the bike all of a sudden felt like it could work, and it felt better. 
which I thought was really interesting. You know, it's like, well, that'll give you a direction to go in, wouldn't it? I know, but it's like, is it really that simple? Like, is there not, is there not enough smart? Well, especially, especially Jay, if, if if you're developing parts, if if BMW is developing parts to, to make the bike continuously stiffer, 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 right. Then yeah, it's, it, is it that simple? I I don't know. I sit there and I go, what, what, like, how did we miss that? Like, what are we doing? Like, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Yeah, Jay, indeed. So February 24th through the 26th, we'll kick off World Superbike in 2023 in Phillip Island. And then they actually then turn right around the next weekend and go to Mandalika. So it's just the opposite of what they had to finish up. And then they're on again at Assen in April. They're okay. at Catalonia in May, beginning of May. That's actually like back-to-back weekends, I think. Okay. Uh, then they're going to Donington Park in last week last day of june and then into july they're going to most the end of july then they have their their summer break is basically july 30th until september 8th when they go to your favorite place magna core and i i actually had already seen the forecast for september 8th through the 10th in magna core and it says rain oh wow you looked Um, looked at the long term long range yeah long-term forecast in uh, Aragon, the 22nd to the 24th. Then they go to Portimao for 29th through October 1. And they're going to end October 15th in San Juan, Argentina, which, Jason, to me is very interesting that yesterday the news broke that Petrucci's signing a deal to go to World Superbike. He's going to the Barney team and blah, blah, blah. Do you believe it? I, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do because... If they're going to end October 15th instead of late November, that gives that gives him plenty of time to train for the Dakar if he's, if he's going to go in that direction. And I know that there were a couple things here that Ducati Corsa had to make a decision on of personnel to bring over to the States, and I'm not sure that, that um, Petrucci got what he wanted. So, I mean, I'm waiting to see any official announcement. I thought that if he signed the contract, they might do something immediately, especially after what GP1 dot com had said do you believe it i i find it strange if i'm being honest i i do i find it i find it strange i i would have loved to seen i would like to see i would have loved to seen petrucci at indonesia this year because mm. i think he would have lost his mind there you know like yeah you know i i it'll be interesting for me to to see how that works out i um, I also think that that hopefully the bike is good enough. I think Chavi Forrest, isn't that who Chavi Forrest rode for the last like few rounds? Didn't he take over? Yeah, he was riding the Barney Ducati. He rode mm-hmm. pretty well. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I've never seen Chavi Forrest and Petrucci on track together. But I don't know what the different levels are between those two. Um, it's just it's just a very it's, interesting uh, thing. I just very find it so. I still find it hard to believe. I mean, if Petrucci really. You know, if, if the things that he told us when he came here were true, he was tired of traveling around the world. He was tra- tired of training at the level that MotoGP trains and to stay super fit. And he wants to go race the Dakar in 2024. Like he told you and I after yeah. Barber was over at Barber, none of this makes sense. I just, I don't think he needs the money. So I don't think it's a money motivated thing. Yeah. But wouldn't you rather end in late September as opposed to, middle of October and there's still, there's a TBA that hasn't been announced. That could be as late as end of October or November and be able to train. Wouldn't you want to just go to the States 
and uh, have yeah. a predictable flight back and forth and just stay here for a couple months and go back to Italy. And like, it just, it's so counterintuitive. So there's other motivating factors that I know about that I can't talk about on this podcast that were kind of conditions of him staying in the States. And so the only thing that I can conclude is, is that either he was really um, excited about going to world Superbike and, and, and had such a bad experience here for some reason, or the terms of which would keep him here in the States just weren't met or maybe a combination of those things, but it's not official yet. We haven't seen anything as of, you know, it's two forty in the afternoon East coast here on the 23rd. And I haven't been on Twitter since we started this thing. So I haven't seen anything official, but we'll wait to hear anything official. My personal view is it stinks. I would rather have him in Moto America. He's got a season under his belt. He knows yeah. what to expect. Yep. He, brings a lot to the to competitive nature of the sport to have Cameron Bobier here as well. Maybe that's part of the decision. Maybe he thought he was just going to finish thirds and fourths instead of seconds and thirds. I don't know. And yeah. maybe, and the other thing is, is all the stuff that he said, but, but more importantly, the people in Europe, Jay GP one Italians, they love him. And so he brings really good attention to the series on a worldwide level. And I think that that was important, especially the fact that he was locked in the championship and, I don't know. The advent of the new Ducati V4R, the fact that he was so close in this championship, I, I, I mean, I'm, huh. I'm, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised that he's not coming back. But either way, if he's here or if he's not here, I wish him well because... Yeah, for sure. Other than the times, the first couple races when he just shit all over Moto America, I mean, personally, when you sit down and talk to him, I enjoyed every minute I was able to sit down and chit-chat with him, you know? Yeah, he was a good guy when you sat and chatted with him. He was a really good dude to talk to. And it's kind of weird. It was like it was both sides of the fence. Like try to put up the best public persona that you could in one direction and then just completely ruin it with some simple posts. And and that was discouraging. And <clears throat> I don't know if it was a feel of like thinking that he was going to come over here and just dominate. And so it was going to be super easy. Um, but I know that that he was given an opportunity here, which was great. And uh It'll be interesting to see how he does over there. I, 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 I can't really think that it's going to be tremendous for him over there. He's much more of a tactical rider than a guy that's going to be like. I can't see him getting into like a a big street fight with the likes of Ray and. I mean, look, Batista this year really didn't have to do that either, though. Like, if if you watch how those races went, the majority of the races on the Ducati went, the bike was. The, the performance of the motorcycle in a straight line allowed Batista to stay where he stayed. He didn't have to get into any big wars with those guys. While those guys are riding over the edge everywhere to try to be able to defend, Batista didn't really have to do that. And so maybe that is a, maybe that's a better sign for Danilo. Like maybe he feels that that'll be the way that he can race over there. I, I don't, I don't know. And that's um, true. You know, that's I don't true. know. And, and now the new bike. You know, with yeah. a little bit more with a little bit more aerodynamics, which gives it a little bit more top speed, which I believe World Superbike has to you have to base all that stuff off of what the street bike is. You know, you don't have latitude to change things around. Yeah. So we're gonna be looking forward to seeing what happens in the off season. Yamaha declares that the top rack they can give him more power. That's gonna be interesting to see how that works out. Is it gonna be a huge leap? Is it gonna upset the chassis if it is a leap, or is it just a slow progression to give him a little bit more to fight with? Uh, and what's going to happen with the Kawasaki? Should that's get, that's really we, a big thing. Should we get Should we get Chuck on the line and ask him like, 
what demands he took to Kawasaki to the table for old Johnny, you know? Chuck Axel. Yeah. You're gonna they're gonna put a turbo on that thing? You, what are they gonna think, do? You Chuck? think he'd tell us anything oh, about he would anything tell us he does everything, wouldn't he? No, he wouldn't he would he would he would, he would look at us he would literally look at us zero. and go, What are you guys what are you guys talking about? I don't even know what you guys yeah. are talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like well yeah, would, but Chuck, don't you do stuff? Uh I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? That's what he'd be. Mm-hmm. He'd be classic. He he texted me yesterday. That it hasn't rained up there. He's up in Washington now. It hasn't rained in 14 days. He was so pumped. He's like, it hasn't rained in 14 days. It just started to sprinkle. Mm. And I'm like, wow. it's it's November. That's incredible. That is actually incredible. Usually it doesn't start in October and just doesn't let up until. Well, he said he goes, I brought the California weather with me. So I was pumped for him. That's great. Hopefully that's good. You, what so. you need to do is just get him some rain golf shoes for Christmas. I don't know I what should, that means. Uh, in Massachusetts, we call them, uh, you know, the little totes, rubber things that you put over the your shoes? Yes. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Remember the, so in Mass, we just call, so we call them rubbers. You got your, you got rubbers. your rubbers for the That's, slush? Yeah. What you got your rubbers in, for the slush? I've lost it because there's something they call them in England, too. Slickers or something? Uh, yeah. I can't remember. Anyways. You know what they yeah. call uh, uh, flip-flops in, in Hawaii, don't you? No. Slippers. Ah, very cute. Aloha. Very good. Aloha. Right. Um, <laughs> Aloha, bitches. Well, sorry I've been a little bit out of it this this podcast, but hopefully everybody's somewhat enjoyed it. And uh, Dude, 90% of what you said made sense. So that's well, about... It's, it's probably more than... Probably no, plus better than minus. normal. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. NyQuil. Are you on NyQuil right now? Oh my God, dude. I'm on an antibiotic. I don't even... You know what's crazy is there's a... Like Andrew Lee's really sick right now. There were people that left that test at Dunlop, the Dunlop test that I've talked to that have all been, have had what I, it's all the same. I've had like huge body aches and fatigue, and then I had a headache, and then I a sore throat. Dude, there is I, just a nasty, like, influenza virus that people were like, things has been dormant for two years and built itself up or something. It's like, yeah, I've been reading articles about it, so that's why I don't leave the house. Oh, God. Yeah, that's why you don't leave the house. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? think about it. If I get a cold, like the bat, I mean, think about how much Call of Duty time I'd lose. You'd can't lose have a that. lot, wouldn't you? Yeah, I can't have that. So anyway, well, well listen, yeah. everybody, that'll pretty much do it for our podcast. Next week, we're going to try to find somebody to talk to, I think. We'll do a little interview. Hopefully, yeah. Jason gets better. Everybody get on Jason's social media and wish him well. Hopefully yeah, he yeah. feels better because after this, he's going back to bed. He sounds like he's awake, but. I am. I'm he, headed by. I am going like, straight back. My mom's like loving ass. this. What was the yeah. what was the movie? Hey, G Dub, what was the movie when we were kids where Oh, what was it? Anyways, the woman taking care of the person was actually continuing to make them sicker so that they wouldn't leave. That's kind of my mom right now. I feel like my mom is like she's taking care of me like I'm 10, which is great. And she's <laughs> You know yeah, what she's it is? She's feeling needed. She's feeling it was needed. A, I mean, I get You know it. what? It was a two and a half men episode is what it was. That's what oh, it was. was it? Yeah. Rose kept on giving, giving Charlie. Oh, Charlie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She kept yeah, on yeah, giving him like stuff to keep making him go to sleep and not feel well. And he was all drugged mm-hmm. up. I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of what's happening in my house right now. My mom's like, <laughs> she's so pumped that I'm home. Like she's not scared at all either, by the way. Like I'm like, mom, get out of here. Like you shouldn't even be in the same room as me. I'm sick. My, my 83 year old mom's like, yeah, whatever. Speaking of whatever you just said, cause I wasn't really listening to you. Mm-hmm. Um, did you Thanks. sign up for the Black Friday Moto GP sale where it's like five euro for all the off-season content? I have not signed up for this. If go, just go to MotoGP.com and then there'll Should be. I a, that? Should I do that right now while I'm on here with you? No, but <laughs> how dare you? 
but mm. it should be a, l- a little screen that'll come up to say, do you want to renew? And it's like for off season content, it's only like five euro. So I just saw watch your favorite races with our black Friday deal. Huh. Yeah. I, and it I says, signed up. I, I signed up. Crutchlow's on here says, I've never seen Yamaha work so hard. Well, they should. That's good. <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah. So anyway, check, check all that yeah. stuff out. Make sure, uh, if Moto America has any deals on their app, they have video on demand too from all the races from past. I know that they're starting to post some of the stuff on YouTube as well. And um, yeah, we're going to try to get Chuck Axel on here. And I'm sure we got to talk to Stevie English at some point. Is he, is he coming? He's coming, coming out, in? man. Yeah, Stevie's going to be here December 4th or 5th. He's coming in on the 4th. I think that's a Sunday. Sunday, I correct. Gotta, big week plan i gotta get better for that because that's a big week for stevie he's coming all the way yeah he's on a world tour yeah. right now man he's been going everywhere he's like you know he went to indonesia then australia then somewhere else and then he's coming here dude i can't imagine making the money he makes huh fifty thousand dollars uh, a race a weekend. show good for him Ma- amazing a show him. yeah a show yeah per day yeah. i'm out i'm out in la on the 11th so you'll he's, he leaves days. on the 12th when do you get in on the 11th do you know Mm, it's seven o'clock at night. Well, you know where we're going to be that night. I think we're going to be at the Chargers. In LA. We are going to be at the oh. Chargers game right by the airport. Well, I fly into the airport. I'm staying right near the airport. I believe. Well, why don't you Maybe see, we'll have to get together when the game's flight. over. Flight, catch an earlier flight and come out and hang out with us for a day or an evening. Go to the game. I might. I might look into doing that. That's not a bad idea. Are your uh, Are your pats going to cover on New Year's on uh, Thanksgiving Day? <laughs> Are the Pats going to beat the Vikings on Thanksgiving Day? Yeah, come on, man. Not if we play with the offense that we had in the, against the Jets, no. But uh, we'll see. It's right. complimentary football, okay? You got to win in all three phases of the game. Oh, the Patriots were able to do that and beat the Jets, who beat the Bills that are still – people are still yakety-yakking about the Bills being some Super Bowl favorite. But we'll have to see. Patriots are on the right. rise. Well, I want everybody to have a great Thanksgiving day. Enjoy your football if that's what you do. More than anything, enjoy your family. Thanks for being part of our family and G-Dub. We will talk next week.